Well, I hope one day one of you will be the global special envoy for education. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. that would be signs of well progress. Yes. Well, uh, and, and maybe it will be a young person interviewing other young people. Next time. <laughs> so we've got to, we've got to understand the world is moving on. The world is moving on. The UN Special Envoy for Global Education there, clearly enjoying the frank but free-flowing conversation that you're about to hear for this latest edition of our Lid Is On podcast at UN News. It's a long way from the dispatch box in the House of Commons where he served as Chancellor of the United Kingdom and then as Prime Minister, having a greater influence over the British economy than anyone in living memory. But in early May, Gordon Brown was here at UN headquarters in New York to launch a $10 billion international finance facility for education, aiming to get more than 260 million children into the classroom who currently have nowhere to learn. Countries and anyone with money to invest who cares about the future has a duty to step up, he says. Every parent in the world who would be listening to this conversation would say that you've got to do more in the interests of peace, stability, opportunity, in the interests of building economies in Africa and Asia and elsewhere, uh, unless you do more, then we'll have a world that is incredibly divided, probably unstable, and certainly unsustainable. So if I'm talking to the leaders in the rich countries, I tell them this is about the future of the world. With the stakes so high, we wanted to know what some of the younger generation who've benefited from a good education had to say. So Mr Brown came down to our studio following the launch, along with three of the global youth ambassadors from the charity organisation Their World, an NGO that was started by his wife, the campaigner and author Sarah Brown, back in 2002. They had all just been talking with our own Secretary-General about how the ambitious aims of the fund can actually translate into learning that can transform lives. They joined me, Matt Wells, in our podcast studio here in the basement of UNHQ. I mean, you've said, Gordon Brown, that, that you think that this, this battle for more investment in global education is the civil rights struggle of our time. Just explain what you mean well, by that, why you're so passionate about this. Girls' education is the civil rights struggle because if girls are not in school, uh, then they're liable to be forced into child marriage. Uh, or child labor, or trafficking, mm -hmm. and sometimes they're not in school simply because of discrimination against the girls, because some people, some cultures are not valuing the importance of girls' education. But if girls are in education, and this is why it's a civil rights struggle, it means better health, because it means less infant mortality, less maternal mortality, less AIDS, HIV AIDS, and all these things. It means better family life, better employment prospects, it means a better environment. So if we decide that every single girl and indeed every boy is going to be in education, then it's economic opportunity, it's a successful industry in your country, it means a more harmonious society, it means less migration that is forced upon people, and it means less discontent amongst young people. It is so important, and we've failed to recognize uh, when we've done all sorts of other campaigns uh, just how much we've neglected the rights of children, and it's time that that goes centre stage. Now, your presence here and the uh, l launch of this initiative has, has brought three young global youth ambassadors to this table today. Can you just introduce yourselves, folks? I'll start with you on my left here, uh, so, Usman. Um, my name is Usman Ba, and uh, I'm a uh, Guinean, but also have a personal connection with Sierra Leone. 
uh, because my whole struggle and uh, passion for um, education stems from Sierra Leone. I escaped the civil war there and my school was disrupted and that led me into a very uh, difficult and incredible journey that finds me here today. Uh, but you know, just going back to Golden Brown's point about girls' education being the civil rights struggle uh, in, in our generation, I completely um, agree with that uh, line of thought because my mother never had uh, the opportunity to go to school. She stopped at high school, she got, she got married, had met at uh, the age of 18, and then my father died and then everything um, became uh, a whole of a struggle for her. She did, not, she did not get the education she deserved, but she made sure that I get the education and my sister also get the education that we deserve. Today, I'm a graduate and I have my degree and I'm fighting for girls' education. Just not so long ago, I established the Girl Child Project where I'm fighting for girls' education in Guinea. And we're trying to enroll girls to school, but at the same time, open up the, the minds of uh, young men and boys uh, in the country to stand for girls' education and gender equality. Leanne, introduce yourself and tell us why you felt so strongly the need to come to the United Nations headquarters today. Thank you so much. My name is Leanne Karaoke. I am from Nairobi, Kenya. And today I am very happy to be representing youth around the world that have stood firm to say that we need access to education, we need quality education, and um, from marginalized communities and from communities that are getting education but are not um, necessarily getting the most quality education. Um, so in, in that respect, I'm here, I, I, I want to be that voice, I want to be able to be that vessel for these young people to be able to advocate for that they get the quality access to education. And, and it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I am a living product of a woman that has been empowered, a young woman who has been empowered um, due to education, that I can be able to represent other people's voices, that the next time somebody else can be able to represent um, young women, men, and youth and young children who have not, cannot even speak for themselves to access education. So thank you for having me. And last but not least. Yeah, hi, my name is Asmita. To begin, I'm gonna like provide you a quote. It's a quote, there is a like African man, he said there's a quote, if you educate a man, you educate a one man. If you educate a woman, you educate a whole nation. So when I was in my country, Nepal, I was not able to get an education, but then like, because of that experience, I had like, you know, passions of like empowering education for girls in my country. So like in educating them in IT, IT sector, because I work in United Nations as a being, a, you know, IT department. So like I want to help my country in IT sector too. If they have, you know, computer at their home, they can see the world, they can see the people, what they are doing. They can have a connection to the people around the world. That's what I'm basically passionate about it. What difference would this extra funding, do you think, make to your countries, to your families, to your friends in terms of getting a decent education? Yes, it will definitely make an impact to our country. I think the most important thing to recognise is we have three brilliantly eloquent representatives of uh, a youth movement around the world. So there are 900 global youth ambassadors and three of them are here today. And they're speaking up for a whole generation of people who will not tolerate uh, schools that are not safe. Uh, discrimination against uh, girls, being forced into child labor, having to marry early uh, and being denied the chance of educational opportunity. And so this is a, a strong movement of young people that adults have been too slow to recognize. And now we have to act on what young people are telling us needs to, needs to happen. And that's why we need the money. The finance facility is to provide money for 200 million school places. 
uh, and that would en enable most uh, young people who are not at school to be at school. And we've then got to improve the quality of education every day, every week, every month, every year, because young people are being denied the chance to get the skills for the future, and therefore they cannot get the jobs that they want or need because they have not been given the best education possible. So this is about a whole generation of young people trying to create a new kind of world where instead of half the world not being educated, every single child has a chance. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this idea is realistic? Do you think that you can unlock yes. more money? That yes. It's going to make a profound difference to your... The, right. the levels of education where you come from? I think it's very realistic. I think th by just seeing that more than more than one million youth and children are signing because they know their their rights to education is, is a... This is your petition that you brought today. Right, yeah. right, exactly. It's just definitely a sign that shows that it is possible. Even the, the in the grassroots level, the children, the youth know it's possible and all we need is just the right people in the right places to make those um, those decisions that will will give us access to funding and, and close that gap. It is critical to put this in perspective because if you look at nations, developing nations such, such as my country, Sierra Leone or, or Guinea or, or the neighboring countries, we have a massive number of youth who are not, who are not in school and the negative impact is already spilling up across the country. We're seeing violence, we're seeing the uh, migration crisis, all of that taking place right now. That all stems from you know, lack of opportunities, lack of you know, basic education and lack of job, of course. But everything boils down to quality education, as Golden Brown mentioned, because if you are well-equipped and you're well-educated, you're more likely to have a job and you're, you're more likely to sustain your family and eventually the community. So it is important, and we believe it's going to work. We believe that this is a huge deal. It's a huge milestone, and we are stepping up. We're taking responsibility as a young people and saying education must be in the agenda of our leaders, and we need a strong political will and strategy to make it happen. If, if, if we had a head of state from a wealthy country sitting around the table with us here now, mm -hmm. um, what would you say to him or her um, in terms of why they should invest in countries, obviously, that are beyond their own borders, invest mm -hmm. in, 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 in our kind of collective future, if you like? Mm -hmm. So I think that this is very, very important. We are living in the, in the age of globalization, where an effect in one country spills over to another. So if there is a opportunity or economic boom in another country, it definitely spills over across the other nation. If there's a problem in that country, the other nation gets to experience it. Experience it. So a developing nation, it, it's not only about saying, you know, we're giving this money to help them, but there's, there's also an economic benefit into it. So it's not a charity work only, there's an economic opportunity to explore there as well. In addition, we are having the population and the young population is growing in low to middle income countries. And if we do not be, if we, if we don't have enough funding to put all these young, or give, give the necessary skills to young people, then we have a large population of youth of working age that have no jobs, are unemployed. And that, you know, increases a lot of insecurity, increases violence, it increases drug addiction. It's a whole lot of problems that a lot of countries and neighboring countries will experience is not empowered with education and skills and knowledge that are transferable um, in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, so that is very one reason why leaders of OECD countries and uh, should be able to support and should and should definitely support this this fund. Have you got any examples from your own past in terms of you know where a lack of funding's held you back in terms of your your education? 
Yeah, because like when I was in my country, I think there was a old bank. Like they were like helping our country to come up from the earthquake because it happened in 2015. They were helping everyone else in Nepal. In Nepal, yeah. yeah, 2015. So like there was an earthquake. Like old bank helped us to you know all the children to go to the educations, go to the schools, and they build the uh, houses. They give to they provide the shelter and then like they provide the clothes and everything. So I think like uh, IFF if will be definitely gonna be um like you know it's going to help i think so i believe in this one what are your hopes uh, gordon brown as to how fast this can move and well we're talking to 20 possible uh, donors uh, and between them they could raise the first two billion of guarantees that we want to see and then if we add the uh, buy down facility that will allow us to convert loans into grants or credits or certainly low interest loans for four billion that is provided by donors, we can create 10 billion of resources for the world's education system. Now, given that the total aid at the moment is only 12 billion a year, this is a dramatic change in the way that we provide for education. Now, countries that are developing countries have got to do more themselves. We, we, we can't just put up money if it means less is going to be put up in their country, so they've got to do more. The standard has got to be pushed up, so we've got to get better results from the money that we're putting in. Uh, but we know there's a huge funding gap. If you've got 260 million children not at school and you've got 800 million not getting a proper education, then you've got a huge funding gap that's got to be met. But you see, every parent in the world who would be listening to this conversation would say that the aid budget that on average gives only $10 per head per year to African and Asian uh, young children $10, not enough even to pay for a second-hand textbook, they would say that you've got to do more in the interests of peace, stability, opportunity, in the interests of building economies in Africa and Asia and elsewhere. Uh, unless you do more, then we'll have a world that is incredibly divided, probably unstable, and certainly unsustainable. Uh, and that's the price that we would pay for failing to invest in education. So if I'm talking to the leaders in the rich countries, I tell them this is about the future of the world. It's not just about your country on its own because you are interdependent, you're interconnected with the rest of the world. Uh, and if you don't help, then you'll have real problems building up across the world in the future. What questions do you have any for our special envoy here in terms of the kind of message that, that you need to take back, I guess, to take back home to try and be just, you know, sort of change agents, if you like, yourselves? Mm -hmm. I've been very pa passionate for... Uh, uh, cause relating to girls' education, and it's great to hear that Golden Brown has been very invested into it. So I would like to actually extend the question yep. that I passed to the Secretary General to, to you as well. I'm a feminist, and I proclaimed myself a feminist recently on the world stage, and I've received a mixed response. You know, some supporting me, some very, of course, chastising me for that decision. But what I've realized, I feel like we need more young men and boys to step up for gender equality. At the same time, we need to empower young girls with education and the necessary tools they need to succeed in life. So my question to you, Golden Brown, um, how do we engage young men and boys you know, into f standing for girls' education, standing for gender equality, and understanding that we can live on an equal tell, level? On tell equal people space. the facts that there are 10 million child brides every year. Right who are of school age and should have the chance 
uh, to get an education, mm -hmm. but are being forced out of schools, often by parents who think they're doing the right thing when they're doing the wrong thing, and denying these girls a proper education. There are millions of girls in domestic service or working as child laborers, and everybody who looks at it knows it's unfair. There were 10,000 girls lost trafficked from Syria and the, and the Middle East into, into Europe, and nobody knows what has happened to these uh, girls, and it's completely unfair. And there's just sheer discrimination uh, when different uh, voices say that it's not right that girls should get education, we have got to fight that because everybody knows in their heart uh, that girls should have the equal chance uh, to realize the potential that, uh, that, that boys and, and, and men have. And we've got to take action to prevent the discrimination that is pre 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 stopping girls getting the, the, the chances they want. So I think you've got a, a very good case to put. And I think all of us should be putting the same case. And I think right around the world, this is the time to say that um, it is indeed the civil rights struggle of our generation, because if we don't win this uh, struggle, then we will have the situation that we've got at the moment. There are 750 million illiterate people around the world and 500 million, two thirds of them are women. And that is simply not acceptable and unfair. So, so ask our women guests here as to whether you know, they agree with that. I mean, are men not pulling their weight? And mm -hmm. what's the priority, do you think, in terms of uh, improving education for women and girls? Well, as a, okay, as a woman who is, like I said, like has been empowered by education, I have to acknowledge that the world has, has put their weight behind women and girls. I, they, 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 could do, they can do more. Even when you, they do cash transfers, they've found that women utilize their resources towards the um, bringing up, towards the household. The family, and, yeah. And, and also the community. So in empowering women is essential. It is proven it's essential. It's the right focus. It's the right place to be. My question, though, is that even if you do put a woman or a girl in a classroom, it's the quality of the education that they get. How are we going to address quality in terms of like teachers' absenteeism? Some of these children are in school already, but you know because they do not see it's their not good teachers. enough quality. They're yeah, not really when, learning properly. And, when, right. and yeah. the teachers are not in school, then they also don't. And it is proven. There are studies that have shown that mm -hmm. teachers' absenteeism has caused cho other course. children not to attend school. So, so how are we going to address that? Right. So we've got to do four things. We've got to have the best teachers, mm -hmm. and so we've got to invest in the teaching profession and making the teaching profession the best possible. Mm -hmm. We've got to have good school leaders because a school doesn't work unless it's got good leadership. And we've got to invest in creating a, a group of leaders in schools that can make our schools better. And we've got to have a relevant curriculum because sometimes the curriculum is, is not good enough, it's out of date, they're using sort of old textbooks, not benefiting from uh, some of the modern uh, techniques that can help make a better curriculum. And we've got to use IT, we've got to use the computers, and we've got to use the ability to get, you know, you can access the biggest library in the world from the most desolate place in the world right. through new technology. And sometimes you need good internet, of course. And so, yeah, the yeah. internet. And sometimes uh, I, I wonder: Have we woken up to the fact in education that you can't just have a 19th-century classroom anymore? You've got to use all the modern technology. So you've good teachers, backed up by good technology, backed up by a relevant curriculum, backed up by leaders who take the school into the future because they lead by example and say, you know, we've got to be better all the time. We've got to work harder all the time. We've got to make uh, the conditions in which people are educated so much more attractive so that we have a learning generation. And I think it can be done, but you need money and you need the best people. And we need to attract more people into teaching and we need to stop, uh, you know, 
practices where teachers are in ghost schools where they don't exist but they're claiming money or teachers don't turn up for education. But in the end, that's the fault of those who are running the education system. They've got to make sure they have proper attendance. They've got to make sure they have proper registration. And if we did that and put the resources into education, then it would not be long uh, before we had a better education system in any country that is that is failing today. We could do this and we could do it pretty quickly by investing properly and by these four changes, the uh, best teachers, best curriculum, best school leadership, and of course, the best use of technology. What do you think, Asmita? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So like, I have one more question too. So like, you know, as like, in other, like, as in like, around the world, there are parents, they're not sending their children to their schools because they think like education is too expensive. Do you know like why like they're not sending or like do you know like as you are the you know like union yeah. envoy so like do you know like do you have any suggestions like parents have to send to the to their children to the educations? We've been looking at this because there are what we talked about earlier conditional cash transfers. So where there's a danger that in the family uh, the mother or the father will decide that the only way they can escape poverty is sending their child out to work. Uh, then that means that that child is denied the chance of an education. And remember, there are hundreds of millions of children under the age of 16, and particularly, of course, under the age of 18, not getting the chance of education because they're in uh, labor, in manufacturing, in services, down the mines, in domestic service, and that's just simply unfair. So to help these parents and to make the right decision for the children by providing them with an incentive to bring the child to school, is, a, is, is one way that we can actually get more children into school. But there are many ways we can do that. By encouraging parents that the standard of education they're going to get is worthwhile. By having schools where you don't have to walk miles uh, to, 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 to get there. By encouraging the parents to be part of the process in the school and work with the teachers as well as their children to improve the education of the, the whole community. Now, there's so many things that we can actually do. But you need a commitment to education and you need to believe in teaching as a profession. And, you know, I, I remember all my teachers. You know, so no matter how old you are, you will remember your teachers uh, forever because they have such a big influence for good or for bad on your life. Couldn't agree more. I went and to a very so, good uh, British state school, and, uh, yeah, and, and we'll, so, we'll and, never forget the. And, and so, do we do we accord teachers enough status and say, look, you are so important to our community? Uh, that we want to respect you. And I think it's very important that when teachers are uh, abandoning schools by not turning up, that we punish and take action. But it's also important that when teachers are doing a good job, we say, look, this is so important to our community and we are going to back you in, in making for better schools. So I have one last question to uh, Golden Brown. This might be out of the box, of course. Um, you are the former Prime Minister of UK and uh, current uh, Envoy for UN Envoy for Education. Recently, we got the we had the UN Secretary General, you know, took the step and declared himself a feminist. You are fighting for girls' education and you want gender equality. As me and the as the Secretary General and I have done it, are you willing to support the feminist cause and actually declare yourself one? Of course, and I, I've, I've, done that, I've done that on many occasions because. I genuinely believe that the discrimination that has been practiced against girls has been very bad for our whole community. Mm -hmm. And it's not just girls who suffer, it's boys, it's adults who are men and women. And we've got to recognize the enormous potential that is being wasted. 
the enormous opportunities that would uh, flow to our society if every girl had the chance of going to school. You know, I, I went to um, South Sudan in the midst of the conflict, and I was trying to help um, mothers get their children in, 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 into school. And there were so few school classrooms there, and there were temporary classrooms and everything. But when I talked to the parents, and many of them were teenagers because they'd had children very young, the one thing they wanted, there was very little shelter, there was very little food, there was very little health care available. But the one thing they were sure that they wanted most of all was that their children had a proper education, that they had been denied it, but their children should have that education. And as was just said a few, few minutes ago, when, when you provide a, a service to uh, the mother in a family, it helps not just the whole family, it helps the whole community. And that's what makes the difference. So you're willing, sorry. So you're willing to say to align yourself with the term feminism and say I am a feminist. Of course, I've said that, and oh, I've said it on many occasions. I, I and, just, and I just want to hear you from and, you. And, and e equally, uh, you uh, you persuaded Antonio Guterres <laughs> that he should say it publicly as well. And the yeah. the important thing to recognise is why we're doing that, mm. because we cannot afford to lose the talents of any single individual in our society, right. and those who have been most discriminated against in the past, and we know it's still happening in many many communities, girls and women, they deserve the right uh, to bridge the gap between what they are and what they have it in themselves to become and fulfill their potential. And that's what it's all about. Can I just ask finally, is it, if there's anything, you know, having been here at UN headquarters today, is there anything that, that struck you that the UN could be doing more of or could be doing differently in terms of how we meet these critical objectives that Gordon Brown's been uh, highlighting today? Well, the people who have been highlighting it are the three people here who have made the difference, the global youth ambassadors, and it's not me. Right. Because yeah. because this is an army of people, and they have got to be listened to. Mm -hmm. And because they're speaking here today, others will speak up, and then others will speak up, and then others will speak up, and you will have a movement for change. I want to add something there, though. I think he is right, but most importantly, it's because of them, Golden Brown and, and Sarah Brown. I feel like they, they provided us the platform to express our concerns and voice and give us a voice, basically. So... It's through their initiative and willingness, you know, and, and, and strong passion for education and to try to include young people there to make sure that we're heard, but we're also that we're standing up for our right to education. So it's all thanks to them and they're doing incredible work. Is, it, is, is the message going to filter down to Sierra Leone, to Nepal and other countries? Just in addition to what I think, because I think this is a really important part, is that other than just putting youth as second like second option that or oh, will give you this platform to voice your opinions to 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 have your voice heard it's your education it's, at stake it's our education yeah. and i think it's very important that you do put the um youth in in influential positions mm -hmm. that are equipped and educated that can motivate other other youth i was motivated by by other young people to be able to be the person i am today if we do not put the right people in positions of influence that are young that can empower other young people then they wouldn't have someone to look up to and that's where i would say that i feel like the un could put more positions out there for younger younger um, populations so they can be able to motivate others. Let them give good examples to young people to look up to. And that's, yeah, that's Well, I hope saying. one day one of you will be the global special envoy for education. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. that would be signs of well progress. Yes. Well, and, and maybe it will be a young person interviewing other young people. Next time. <laughs> so we've got to, we've got to understand the world is moving on. The world is moving on.
Yes. Well, you've all been in great voice today. Thank you very much for coming in and talking to the Lidizon podcast here at UN News. Yes, thank you. you. And then, like, this is my first time I'm being here in United Nations too, and then talking to all these intelligent peoples. And thank you for like selecting us. Thank you so much. I want to say to everyone else. It's been great to have you. Yeah. Thanks all very much. You've been incredible. You can see how we've got powerful voices that are going to change things. (laughs) If this was magnified, amplified, and all around the world, just think of the, 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 the momentum for change. Gordon Brown, UN Special Envoy for Global Education, in conversation with Leanne Warimu Kariuki from Kenya, Asmita Gimeri of Nepal, and Usman Bar of Guinea in West Africa, all global youth ambassadors, and I for one hope they'll have a seat at the table here again very soon. That's it for this edition of our Lid Is On podcast. I'm Matt Wells. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>